I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I've been dealing with a lot of prophetic messages. And I, I want to make this clear. Prophecy was not given to scare us. Prophecy was given to prepare us. God's not concerned about people that live in ultimate fear. Now, I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord means the respect of the Lord, that we have ultimate respect for God. But he doesn't give his prophetic word to keep us in a state of fear. We're ineffective if we as believers are in a constant state of fear. Faith overcomes fear. Faith overcomes the world. And there is a phrase that several months ago when I was reading this, it just, it just seemed to keep speaking to my heart. And the more that I looked at it and thought about it and prayed about it, I feel like this morning is the time to, to share this with you. I want to preach today on confident Christians. We should have confidence. I mean, either he's God or he's not. Either it's his word or it's not. Either he's true or he's false. But we need to have confidence. Now, it's easy. I think we need to be aware. It's easy of the fact that we can cause people to lose confidence in us. It's a terrible thing to lose confidence in people. Some of you right now are not serving the Lord because somebody failed you along the journey. Somebody didn't do what they thought that they should do that was right and what they thought God wanted and they let you down in some way and you lost confidence in that person and the end result was you lost confidence in God. And by the way, Christians, we need to be aware. There, there are some people that if, if you do something that's not right, you may go on and serve the Lord, but it may harm them for all eternity. Not that their salvation hinges on us, it's that we didn't let our light shine. I'm not saying we're perfect, we all make mistakes, but we ought to strive to live a life that people have confidence in. You know, I want to live so that even if you don't agree with me, I hope you'll have confidence in me. And it's hard for people to have confidence in somebody that doesn't have confidence in God. To say that you have confidence in God means as well that you're also confident in the scripture and confident in your walk with God and confident in the other things that God has placed in your life. So we need to live our life so that others have confidence in us. When you get to this seventh chapter, the apostle Paul writing to them, even though he points out all of these errors in their, in their life, he winds up by saying that I have confidence in you all. So what he was saying is, I'm confident the seed that's planted will come to pass and that you'll do what's right. But yet in the hour that we're living, where there's so much going on all around the world and so much prophecy being fulfilled, now is not the time to live in fear. Be confident. Be confident. You know, the... Psychological studies love to try to tell us that confidence exists through all types of means that you can try to find confidence in yourself. And probably one of the great self-help areas and issues that if you try to find any books in a bookstore, it'll be things to build your low self-esteem or to boost your confidence. But I really don't think you can have confidence until you know the Lord. Once you know the Lord, then everything changes. 
And really that's the assurance that he's giving here. Look in verse one with me of chapter five, second Corinthians, the first three words, for we know. That's where it all begins. If we don't know him, we don't know anything else. If we don't know his word, we don't know anything else. But he said, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Now notice he talks about a tabernacle, which the tabernacle, no other building like it in all of the world. No building has ever been created like it or existed like it, but the tabernacle was a tent. So now he's talking about a tent here, a tabernacle here, but a house from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened, not for what we should be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that, he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So he says, we have this confidence and really breaks it down just into three simple things. And for time's sake, I'll break these scriptures down. Really the confidence that we have in verses one through four, he says, Christians are confident because we know how it all ends. There's a heaven at the end of it for a Christian. There's a better place at the end of all. We're here battling with these things now, but we know in the end, we know exactly how it ends. You have to admit when you know how something ends, it changes the way that you look at it. Uh, back years ago, I, I don't uh, ride as many amusement park rides now is what I used to. Uh, but uh, I used to, Candy and I, in fact, we took one whole vacation. That's all we did was ride roller coasters for five days. And we love amusement parks. And we'd gone to a particular amusement park that we had never ridden this, this roller coaster before. And on this particular roller coaster, it takes you up to one of the biggest drop-offs that there is and it hesitates right at the top until you can see out, but you can't see what's on the other side. Have any of you ridden a ride like that? You, you look out and it, you can't see what's on the other side. Well, of course, when it starts to drop, that's when they take the pictures that they try to sell you because you don't know what to expect. You don't know what it's gonna be when that drops off on the other side. The first time I swallowed my heart, 
I thought, I don't know what's there. And the amazing thing is, it's the shortest drop of the whole ride. But at the angle of it, it makes it look like you're dropping off into you don't know where you're going or what's going to happen. And really, in reality, the one you see is the worst one later on because it's the highest drop that you have on that particular ride. But yet, when you ride it the first time, I was terrified. The next time, I was looking at everybody else because they were terrified. Because now I had ridden it and I knew what to expect. Do you hear what I'm saying? I knew what the end result would be. And what he's saying is as Christians, the reason that we have all of this confidence inside of us is because we know how it all ends up. Really, we love our life and we praise God for his blessings and we come this morning, we've had several people come for prayer. Many of them are battling illness, friends and family are battling illness and we know God can touch this, this tabernacle that we're in and God can give us healing. But he says, remember, it's just a tent and a tent is a temporary dwelling place. This is not our final dwelling place as a Christian. This is not our final home. It's just something that we're on the move on the journey. But at the end of all of it, God says this tabernacle will dissolve. It'll be like a tent that is folded up. The stakes will be pulled. It'll be packed away. But he says, we know how it ends up. We have a home in heaven. And with a home in heaven, that changes everything. So we're confident because yes, we see all these things happening and men's heart felling them with fear. But we're confident of the fact that when Jesus comes again, we'll be like him for we shall see him as he is. We're confident of the fact that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up yonder somewhere beyond the blue. We're confident of the fact that we're gonna get a brand new body that will be disease proof and age proof and never a burden on it. We're confident of what he says in his word. We have confidence because this is not all there is to it. We know how it ends. I've told it three or four places the past few weeks, but I do not believe that I have told the account here. And I felt so compelled to wait for the right time because I realize there's a lot of unbelievers that are here this morning. And there's a lot of reasons why people are unbelievers. But in the end, in the end, you need to see that this life isn't all there is to it. As a boy growing up, my dad had a, a great, great preacher into whole revivals and held revivals with this preacher. He preached all over our area and he seldom would preach 15, 20 minutes and the altars would be lined and people would be saved. And it was just a fantastic, fantastic ministry he had. Well, his children were a little older than mom and dad's children. And his kids, even though they, they were older, we became close because of the relationship. And one of his sons went in the ministry. Another son became a deacon in a church and where his son was a deacon in the church. Uh, about the fourth or fifth revival that I held, I held that revival in the church where one of his sons was a deacon. And we've been friends all of these years. We've been very close. When his dad died, I was one of the, as a boy preacher, I was one of the pallbearers at his funeral. Long story short, fast forward several years. And after 40 some years, I uh, get a call from his family. 
And his family said, dad is coming in and out of a coma now. And he would like to see you one more time. We know, we know with the condition of everything, you can't get in and you can't make the journey and you don't know if he'll be awake. How about, would it be okay if when he gains consciousness, because just for short periods of time, if, if we FaceTime you, I said to his daughter, you, no matter what I'm doing, I'll let everybody know ahead of time, whatever I'm doing, I'll drop everything and take the call. Well, Mike Blanton stopped by the office and we started to meet for a few minutes. We had to meet about something. And I told Mike, I said, Mike, if something happens that I get a call, please don't think me rude. I normally don't even have my phone with me in a meeting. Nothing more distracting than trying to meet with somebody and talk to somebody about something. They're on their phone all the time. I know that because I preach to people like that. And uh, I'm here. (laughs) So uh, I said, I I normally don't do this, but I made a promise. He said, that's great. That's great. No problem. No problem. About 10 minutes into our meeting, the phone rang. It was his daughter said, dad's awake. He'd like to see you. And she took the phone over and said, now, daddy, look in the phone right there. See if you know who that is. You got to look right there in the phone. And all of a sudden I, I saw him kind of focus his eyes and he said, oh, cow. He said, I'm going, I'm going home anytime. I'm ready to go. I, I know that I'm ready. Said, I got Jesus on one hand and angels on the other. He said, I just feel the breeze blowing over my face. Boy, the more he talked, the sweeter it got. He started shouting, I started shouting, Mike Blanton started shouting. And uh, we, we just rejoiced for a few minutes as he told me about this great transition, telling me how precious it is, how real that it is. He said, this is it, this is what I've longed for, this is what I've looked for. And he went on to tell me, and then later his wife went in the other room, said every time that he'd awakened that morning when he would come out of a coma for a few moments, He'd say to his family and expressed as well to me, I just don't understand those, said my brother, the one that's a preacher, said he's just in front of me. And I don't understand that cow. I don't understand what's going on. After that, we had prayer together and and, uh, I gave him the assurance that we'll meet. We'll meet inside the city. And uh, we talked for a few moments and his wife went in the other room she closed the door and said, if you have a few minutes, I want to talk to you. I said, sure. She said, uh, we, we, don't, we, we don't know how to handle this. We've been trying to use judgment. Said, but his brother got sick very quickly and he's just a few minutes away and we didn't want him to lose the will to live and keep fighting. Said, but Callie woke up this morning talking about his brother being in front of him. Said, his brother died this morning. You can call that coincidence if you want. I said, do you know what God gave your family in the closing minutes of his life? 
a testimony that's beyond our imagination and beyond our intellect. God is giving us sure. Now God doesn't have to do those things, but you listen to me. I know how this thing is gonna end. I don't know how I'm gonna get out of here. I don't know when I'm gonna get out of here, but I know the end result. This tabernacle is temporary, but we have a home in heaven that God says is for all of them that love him and are saved. I'm confident there is a heaven at the end of it all. We not only have this wonderful, wonderful assurance of how it ends, but we also have help within us. In verse five, God has given unto us the earnest of the spirit. Now the earnest of the spirit, according to the chapter, the first chapter of second Corinthians verses 21 and 22. Now he which stabbeth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. Anointed us with what? Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. So he says, we don't only know how it ends, we know where our help comes from as we're going through this. When you get to the place that there's questions you can't answer and you don't know where to turn and you don't know what's going on, you be assured the Lord always knows. And how I praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit that is within us. God didn't have to do that. But God also says you can have confidence because of the spirit that's in. There's some things, now I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I'm not, I'm not super spiritual. I'm just making a statement of fact. There's some things that you just will not argue with me about because once the spirit seals something in my heart and in my mind, it's settled. I don't change my mind on it. I mean, if I change my mind on it, then why would God ever bless me to lead me or direct me in any other way? There's some things that God leads you in that you know that God's hand is on it and the Spirit seals that to you. And the Lord not only seals us, but he gives us the earnest of the Spirit. You know what earnest is? If you go and you're gonna buy a house or you're gonna buy an automobile, I'm praying you can find one, but if you're gonna buy one and you want, you say, well, I want that and I don't want anybody else to buy it. The only way they'll hold that for you is if you put a down payment on that and that down payment is earnest money saying I'm good for the balance of all of it. Do you know what God's done? He's given us the earnest of his, of his spirit. What that means is he's given us a little heaven to go to heaven in. Do you realize when the Holy Spirit takes control of a service, takes control of our life, takes control of a situation, that's God saying the best is yet to come this is just a foretaste of what you're going to experience one day for he's given us the earnest of his spirit. Do you need help today? I know who can help you. If you're a Christian, you can be confident there's a home at the end of all of it. You know how it ends and you can also be confident the Lord will help you. His spirit will help you. Why do we have to have the spirit to help us? Because we can't learn it all at once. And we can't know it all at once. But he shall teach us all things when he has come, is what Jesus said. And when he teaches us, he'll direct us in paths that'll be pleasing to him. Not only that, but verses six through 10. He says, we are always confident and we are confident. 
There's a difference between being confident and being always confident. And the reason he says that we're always confident is because we not only know how it ends and we not only know that the help that we need is in us, but we are confident, verse nine, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. We are confident because we know everything is right between us and Jesus. What we are doing pleases Jesus. That's the key. Everything in life we do, we ought to ask this question. Lord, is this pleasing to you? When I get up and preach this morning, the biggest discernment that I need, because you can believe me or not believe me, I got a catalog of sermons that I'll never preach in my lifetime that God's given to me to preach. I don't know when. Well, why haven't you preached them? Because I want to preach the sermons that are pleasing to him. See, I don't know anyone's heart here today. I don't know anyone's life. I, I, don't, I don't know if you're saved. You can tell me, well, you know, I'm in church. You can tell me you're right with God. I'm telling you, I don't know. But there is one person's heart that I know, mine. And I'm the only one that knows if I'm pleasing God. And by the way, you're the only one that knows if you're pleasing God. And I think it's a strange statement if you just glance over it. At first, you wonder in that verse nine what he's talking about, but he says, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Present or absent? Present or absent? What's the difference? Well, absent from what? To be absent from the, is to be present with the, that gives us a little clue about what we're gonna do for all eternity. If we don't please him now, we can't please him then. If what we're doing is not accepted by him now, it won't be accepted by him then. Really, what you're doing is you're practicing. <laughs> you're trying to please him now so that you know if you please him now, you're gonna please him then. But if we fail to please him now, we've got serious troubles. So really it breaks it down to three things. We are confident because the Father has a house for us. We are confident because the Spirit has a home in us. And we are confident because the Son is pleased with me. I want you to close your eyes throughout the sanctuary. Bow your head. If you're unsaved, you don't have to say this. Nobody will know. 
It's not that you need to say it loudly. But I want everyone in here to ask one question. One question. You ready? Jesus, are you pleased with me? Will you say that with me? Jesus, are you pleased with me? One more time. Jesus, are you pleased with me? Now, when that's no longer words, and that comes from your heart, I'll guarantee you if that came from your heart, if there's one thing that he's not pleased with in me and in you, he will let you know. And really nobody else needs to know because you have to get it right with him. So Jesus... Are you pleased with me?